Hi listeners and welcome to our coronavirus series of Reasonable and Necessary. I'm your host, Dr. George Teleporis, and I'm from the Summer Foundation. We all have a role to play in getting through this pandemic. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, stay at home. These are things that we all need to do. On top of that, we need to work out how to get the support that we need in a way that is safe. We don't have all the answers, but we are here to help you through it. Please remember that we can't provide medical advice. Talk to your doctor for that. Or call the National Coronavirus Info Line on 1-800-020-080 or visit health. On today's episode, I'm joined by Kirsten Dean, Campaign Director at Every Australian Accounts. We'll cover all the latest info about how the NDIS is changing to help us through the coronavirus. You'll learn about how you can use your funding more flexibly, how your plan will be reviewed, and lots more. Hey Kirsten, thanks for joining us. Hey George, it's always lovely to talk to you. Absolutely. Now, there's been lots of changes with the NDIS that um, everyone wants to know about. Can you can you take us through some of the changes that have come in as a result of coronavirus? Sure. Um, And I think it's great uh, that the NDIA have made lots of changes in the last few weeks, um, but there's probably still a few more that they need to make. So maybe we'll we'll talk about that um, in a little while. But in terms of the changes that they have made, probably the ones that affect most people is um, the first and most important change is that um, NDIS plans don't end anymore. So you you probably remember that uh, earlier in the year, the NDIA introduced a change that if your plan was due to end and you didn't yet have a new one, they kept extending your plan by 28 days until your new plan actually landed. Well, what they've done now is um, uh, not just extended by 28 days, but a whole 365 days, like a whole year. And basically, on the day that your plan um, is due to end, and if you don't have a new one, the NDIA will automatically um, basically do a cut and paste and give you a whole nother year um, of the same plan. So your goals would be the same and your supports would be the same and your budget would be the same. And they've done that so that nobody um, has a gap between plans and runs out of money um, at this really critical juncture. So that's a really good change because it means that worry that, you know, maybe I'm I'll have a gap between plans and I won't have any support. That won't happen now. Your plan will just um, roll over. You'll get another plan for exactly the same um, amount um, and you know that you won't run out of funds. Um, that's the- good. That's good. And what, what if, I mean, that's, a, that's very important and helpful, but what if you do need a new plan and what if your old plan isn't enough? 
Yeah, so what the NDIA have said is obviously at the moment they um, are trying to limit the number of face-to-face planning meetings um, that they have. Um, And so what they're basically doing is planning meetings over the phone. Um, Now they have said, now I know that that doesn't work for everybody and some people really do need to have a planning meeting meeting face-to-face. And so they have said um, uh, that they can do some, if if that's you and that's your circumstances and you really need to do it face-to-face, then they can do that. But for everybody else, they reckon that it's best to just do it over phone. So you can Can do... I I want to share something personal on that. Um, I did an over-the-phone planning meeting and I found it so much better than the one that was face-to-face because I could be in front of that computer, I had all of my documents there, I could refer to things, I could use my calculator, I could do... I felt so enabled by being in front of my computer. I actually found the, um, the, the phone, uh, planning review a lot easier. I know, I know that that's not the case for everyone, but, but for me, it worked quite well. Yeah, and I'm hoping that some of these changes um, that they've introduced just for this particular period actually hang around, right? Because a lot of the changes that they've made in the last little while are about being more flexible and giving people more choice. And isn't that what we've all been banging on about for the last few years to try and make the NDIS less bureaucratic, more flexible, give people more choice? So, like, I'm really pleased to hear that it worked well for you on uh, over the phone. I also think that sometimes um, doing it on the phone, it's a little bit easier than having to sit across the table from someone. But like, that might just be me. (laughs) Um, So I know it wouldn't, it doesn't work for everybody, particularly people who are hearing impaired um, or deaf and need Auslan or whatever. Obviously, it's not not going to work for them but um but yeah so they like we're going back you can do your planning meeting over the phone um and the other thing that you can do over the phone is request urgent changes so when you ring the call center at the moment there's an option to um press i think it's five um and you can speak to and you because if your issue is related to um the coronavirus or changes because of the coronavirus and you can speak to someone and you can have changes made over the phone straight away so you don't have to go through a whole review process so that's a pretty so there's some really um good things that they've introduced in the last little while to try and make sure that people have the support they need um, while we're in this sort of crisis period. Um, and another change, another couple of changes that they've made um, is uh, that, and they announced this just at the end of last week, um, and they finally um, will allow people um, who need a smart device for their disability support and don't already have one, they will allow them to purchase one with their NDIS funds. So everyone out there knows that the um, the issue of iPads and, and smart devices has been a very thorny one when it comes to the NDIS. But now um, people need smart devices because they, they might be doing their therapy online or they might be doing their, you know, um, uh, meeting with um, an exercise group online and that's really important for their health and well-being or they might be meeting with their support worker online um, and so um, they might, that might need a smart device um, to do that. And so the NDIA confirmed um, at the end of this week that people, as long as people don't already have a device that does the trick um, and it's related to their disability support, 
can't just be that they're like the rest of us and they want to sort of binge on watching movies um, uh, or Netflix. It's got to be for their disability support. But if they meet that criteria, then they can purchase it with their NDIS funds. And that's a great development. Let me say, though, that um, and, and I think um, I, I may have spoken about this before, but what was reasonably necessary before the pandemic or wasn't? What wasn't reasonable and necessary before the pandemic could be extremely reasonable and necessary now, you know, and, and that's, that's the case with a smart device, that it, it's, it's necessary now uh, if you need to have online therapy and, you know, how else would you do it? So I think that we can apply that to a lot of other areas as well. You know, in the past, you might have thought, oh, uh, maybe that's not quite reasonable and necessary, but Think about it now, now that we're all locked down, now that we can't leave the house, now that providers are not operating the same way, well, is it reasonable and necessary today? Yeah, and I think that there's still a little bit more, I think, that the agency can do to still be a little bit more um, flexible. And one of the areas that I think they still need to be a little bit more flexible, and it's related to smart devices, is with data. So, um, uh, you know, um, you might need to do your therapy online. So, you might be using more data than you would ordinarily be using um, at other times. Now, uh, under normal circumstances, um, your internet usage would be regarded as kind of a daily living cost and not something that you could claim from the NDIS. But if you're now doing therapy online instead of doing it in person like you usually do, I think there's an argument that that extra data um, uh, should be a claimable cost um, from the NDIS because otherwise people um, aren't going to be able to access the therapy that they really need because they don't have enough data. Now, I'm really fortunate um, in that um, I work from home a lot and so I already have a pretty big data package because I work from home, but I'm really privileged and really fortunate. Um, and so I want to make sure that same access is available for everybody. So I think that's one of the things that they are going to have to be more flexible about is l- allowing people to pay the difference between their normal everyday internet usage and this extra data that they're having to use because they are having to do their supports online. Oh, you're right. Data has become a disability support uh, in a way that it never has been before. Yeah, and and if you really need that to do your therapy or to stay in touch, I you know I'm I'm a really conscious that it's not just therapy that people are doing online. They are um you know we need all kinds of things to keep people safe and well um over the coming weeks and months, and that can include kind of mental health support, staying in touch with support workers that are helping you keep safe and well. So it's not just therapy, and yes, not everybody has the kind of you know um the same access to data as perhaps you and I do. And so that becomes, I think, um, something that the NDIA um, should look at. So we'll, through every Australian Counts, we'll certainly keep um, pushing that because we think that's, you know, something that people really need at the moment. Not everyone, but some people really do. 
combat grocery delivery, I had I had somewhere that um that's been looked at. Have we got grocery delivery now covered? Yeah, so that was another really good thing um, that the NDIA confirmed at the end of last week, which is that um, people can claim the cost of having their groceries delivered to home. So obviously not the cost of the groceries because that's kind of that's on you. That's up to you to pay for your um, your own milk and bread. But the cost of having them delivered to your door can come out of your NDIS plan um, if that's something you need um, at the moment, either because you're self-isolating or because you've got no other way to get groceries um, to home. And that's a smart move by the agency because A, you're putting people at less risk and B, you're probably saving money because the NDIS, I mean the NDIA would otherwise maybe be paying for a support worker to go out there and and uh, get your groceries and this is a lot cheaper way of doing it. Yeah, it's not only cheaper, but I think it's also smarter in that you're having less people out and about, um, you know, shopping and and, uh, getting out and about. And so having the home groceries delivered along with, you know, grocery deliveries all around the country, I think is is a smart thing to do. You know, like George, we know that some, not all, but some people with a disability um, are at much, much higher risk um, if they contract um, the virus um, and they're at much greater risk of contracting it in the first place. So I reckon anything that the NDIA does to help reduce that risk is a good thing to do. And absolutely, I could not agree with you more. Are there any other changes that people should know about? Yeah, there's been a few changes that, to be honest, haven't made a lot of people with disability and families um, very happy, which is the other couple of changes they introduced is they've um, allowed um, some um, some service providers to charge an extra 10% on some um, uh, uh, services um, over this next um, period. But what they haven't done is increase everybody's um, plans by 10% um, to cover that extra cost. So it's not all um, services. It's not an across-the-blanket, uh, across-the-board um, blanket 10%. It's only on some. Um, and, they've, and the agency say they've done that is because they're trying to recognise that in this period, service providers have got additional costs in delivering some of their services. So they're trying to um, uh, give them some funds to help cover those extra costs. But I would say from the traffic that we've got at every Australian Counts and the number of complaints that we've had, it's made pretty people cross that um, they haven't um, increase plans by the same 10%. Um, and the agency says that, oh, well, like given that most people don't use all of their plans, most people can cover the extra 10% within their um, existing plan. Um, but that, you know, George, you and I know that that's not everyone. There are people who've got their plans budgeted down to the last 50, you know, 50 cents. And so if you increase prices by 10%, that really tips them over the edge and they need, people need to ha- seek a view. Um, and so that, you know, that, yeah, that's really caused um, um, some angst and anxiety and anger amongst um, people with disability. And the other one, the other change that the NDIA has introduced that has made people cross is um, they've changed the cancellation policy. So the usual cancellation policy is that if you 
cancel 24 or 48 hours um, before you use a service, you usually have to pay sort of 90% of the price of that service. Um, And now the agency has changed that to a 10-day cancellation policy um, and that uh, service, yeah. So again, the reason that they've done this is because, you know, they want to make sure that there are service providers on the other side of this. You know, what they're trying to do is make sure that service providers still have some income coming in so they can keep their doors open and that when um, we all come out of this lockdown sort of period, there will be services on the other side for people with disability and their families to use. Um, but the people who've contacted us at Every Australian Counts, you know, think it's pretty tough because how could you possibly know um, uh, 10 days out whether you were going to cancel Um, a service or not, um, unless you were already ill. Um, It's just not very flexible, is it? And I am worried about people who uh, would be in a position where they they, they need the flexibility and and also worried about the people who um, are not going to have the 10% to to spare and, and they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, and so they're going to need to seek a review. So the agency has been really clear that if you if the ten percent really jeopardises your support, um, uh, you need to get on the phone and seek a review and and make sure. Now we know historically that they haven't been very good at getting onto the reviews very quickly, um, nor have they been very good at triaging. You know, making sure that people who urgently need changes are at the head of the queue. Um, And so they haven't historically been very good. And I understand why um, people feel really anxious about that kind of sort of blasé statement. Oh, well, just seek a review or, you know, we'll deal with it quickly. So I understand why that makes people very nervous because historically they haven't been very good at it. Um, uh, But they do say that they've got a special team in there now and that they will prioritise those things. So, um, and we will certainly, I've got to say, we will certainly keep the pressure on. Um, and if we hear anything that it is taking too long, we're certainly um, going to be keeping the pressure on for them to deal with things um, more quickly. So, when people have contacted us, all we've been able to say is don't wait. Um, don't wait. Get onto their, even if you think it might be a problem, don't wait. Get onto the phone to the NDA and get it at, sorted out you know, quickly because you don't want to be left in the lurch at any stage. That's very good advice, very good advice. It's funny though with cancellations, I always thought it should be, it should go both ways. I reckon that I should be able to invoice my provider if they cancel. So that's, you know, I'm being inconvenienced if, if my provider cancels and they can charge, why can't I? Yeah, well, actually, funny. that's funny, George, because we've had a bit of traffic on our social media accounts saying exactly the same thing. I also say that we we would have people who've contacted us who who don't want their providers to disappear um, uh, because of this because of this period. And I even know that myself. For example, we've got um, uh, one provider we use who's very, very, very small and only has a handful of clients but we absolutely love this service and we would be devastated if we couldn't use it. And so I don't, um, I, I want her to be on the other side 
of, of this, you know, um, to be able to work with um, Soph, my daughter. Um, and so I, you know, and I've been contacted by other families who finally managed to find, and it's usually small or medium-sized providers who are doing really interesting and innovative things, just the kinds of things that we've always wanted to happen. Um, and those families have said, and those people have said, I don't want those things to, you know, disappear because we can't, you know, um, because they can't survive this period. So, um, I, you know, I think what they're trying, I know it makes people really cross and how could you possibly know 10 days out? Um, you know, whether you're going to cancel a service or not. But we already don't have enough um, service providers to meet people's needs and we certainly don't have enough diverse, interesting service providers to meet people's needs. And in rural and regional areas, they definitely don't have um, enough services. So I do think that we, you know, I don't want... um, uh, the you know the service providers that people really value to go under during this period because we're just I don't know how you feel George but I feel like we're only just starting to see the kinds of things that we always wanted to see and I don't yeah. I don't want those things to disappear. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, business is a business, and um, people do need um, a bit of support to get through this time. We we all. We all know that. I'll just visit the agency, you know. If you don't put the prices up 10%, you should be putting the plans up by 10%. Yeah. Are there any other things that people should know about? No, I think they're probably the main things. I guess the thing that um, to let people know is, is a couple of things. The agency have now got a new section on the NDIS website, which is just related to coronavirus. Um, and so there is lots and lots and lots of information up there. It can, as as per usual, it can be a bit hard to kind of wade your way through. But one good thing they have done is they've done a question and answer type for it, format. So what about this? And then they give an answer underneath that. And they've also put um, some uh, videos up there, some animations up there. There's Auslan, there's material in other languages. So they, um, and there is a little bit of easy read information. So they are trying to make sure that they reach um, everybody. And I guess the other thing to let people know is that we managed to convince the agency um, at the end of uh, uh, this week to do a Zoom forum with us. Um, and so we did that um, on Thursday um, this week and we had Scott McNaughton, who's a general manager in at the NDIA, online answering people's questions for an hour. Um, and um, that we um, let people know that about that by email and, and on social media and that forum was booked out in just two hours. Um, so we had 300 people and then we had hundreds more on a waiting list who were really disappointed that we couldn't um, uh, let them join in. Um, and so um, we will definitely be holding more of these. We're already talking to the agency about holding more of them because it's one thing to read it on a website, but it's actually another thing to be able to talk to a person in real life and get an answer to your question. Um, and the other thing that we will do is that we recorded the forum um, and we're just putting some captions on it now. It was captioned then, but we've got to make sure that the captions sync with the recording. And then we will put it up on the Every Australian Counts website next week so that all those people who couldn't make it can still watch the video. Um, And so what we want to do, yeah, we really... I love that you do everything, Counts. You just, you do some awesome work. I I don't think people realise that um, 
everything counts as you and another person. And it, it's not like there's thousands of you, but it feels like there is. Oh, well, it's actually the big secret, isn't it, of um, George about Every Australian Counts. Every Australian Counts is two people. Um, it's myself and the fantastic Jean who helps me behind the scenes. And we also have a, um, uh, a company that helps us run the website, like they host the website and things like that. So um, we can call on their help um, when they need it. And they, for example, they helped us put our, um, on the forum because it was so much work to put on a forum for 300 people online. Um, but, yes, it is a – I kind of describe uh, every Australian Council as a bit like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> there's a big wizard out the front, you know, making lots of noise, and there's one person on the bike out the back <laughs> making it all happen. But part of <laughs> no, but the truth is, George, you know that the real heart of every stone counts is the people who take part in it. So it's just Jean, it's my job and Jean's job to just try and provide the platform and the opportunity because the heart of it really belongs, you know, to people with disability and their families who who run with it and take part of it. So the real success of every Australian counts is all the people who support it and who are part of the community and take part in it. And it's just Jean and I, it's just our job to kind of um, create opportunities and create vehicles for, for people to, to do things. Do you advocate for any other changes? We had um, a couple of them, but are you advocating for anything else to um, put in place by the agency? Yeah, look, we think the most – so two really, really um, important things. The first is um, um, more flexibility. Um, and so right now um, we always advocate for more flexibility, right, because it's the way to make sure that people with a disability um, and their families can really make their funding work for them. So kind of that's always our starting position anyway. But right now when things are so difficult and so changeable, ch- think things happen so fast, we just just think that people should have more flexibility to use their funds in a way, in whatever way is going to work for them to help them get through the next little while. So that's the, one of the most important things, more flexibility. And then the second Absolutely. thing... On the flexibility, um, I also remember reading that people can use their core support for support coordinators. Yeah. Uh, that recently um, also another improvements in terms of flexibility. Yeah, and I guess that probably relates to my second point is that we think people need more help at the moment. So, again, it's one of the things that we've always advocated for is that the system is very confusing. It's very bureaucratic. It's also new. Um, And so people really need more help navigating it. And now with everything changing and everything being different, people need more help than ever before. So the ones, you know, people who are fairly well-connected and well-resourced and kind of can navigate their way through have found some ways to do things differently um, in the in the last little while but that's not everyone um, and right now people really need help so we've been contacted by people whose service providers have stopped providing services and they don't know what to do next um, and nobody is helping them with that you know only people who've got a support coordinator, have someone on their side to help them get through. And we think that everybody needs a hand um, in the next little while. So that's the thing that we're advocating for is to really make sure that we give people whatever help they need at the moment so they can get through the next few weeks and months safe and well. 
Oh, absolutely. And um, people um, who might not have had funding for support coordination um, will now be able to access it through that core funding. But yeah, the problem then is, is that what if they don't have enough core funding? So, yeah, if you don't have enough core funding, um, please ask for a review and do it soon. Do it, do it. Get onto it, as as you said, Kirsten. That's some fantastic advice. Thank you so much for your time, Kirsten. I know that um, you're incredibly busy, so it's always wonderful to talk to you. Oh, it's always great to talk to you, um, George. And I just, like I said before, the awesome thing about Every Australian Counts is the people in it. Um, and what I've really been touched by in the last month or so is the way that everybody in our community has reached out and tried to help each other. Um, and I reckon I, it's the only way we're all going to make through um, our way through this if we all look out for one another. So I think Every Australian Counts is just one way that people can do that. Absolutely. Thanks, Kirsten. Take care. No worries. Thanks, George. You too. That's all we have time for on today's episode of Reasonable and Necessary. Brought to you by the Summer Foundation. Check out our Facebook page for all previous podcasts and transcripts. We also love hearing from you, so please leave your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Remember, for the most up-to-date info on the coronavirus, call the Coronavirus Helpline on 1-800-020-080 or visit health.gov.au. Stay tuned for our next episode and please stay safe and remember to wash your hands.